and welcome to today's episode of Being a Teenager with Alice. If you're new here, let me introduce myself. My name is Alice and I'm 14. I'm doing this podcast for a mentor project for school and each episode is going to revolve around one key part of a teenager's life. Today's episode will be all about sports. We're going to focus on why sport is good, how to balance life in sport and some top tips for improving in sport. Let's get into it. So this is our guest speaker for this week. Her name is Nicole Lewis. She used to be my teacher when I was in year six. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself for the listeners, please? Awesome. Well, hi, Alice, and thank you so much for having me on your podcast to start with. I feel very honoured and very lucky. Um, yes, I did used to teach you in year six. Very exciting. I'm very sad to uh, lose you. Um, but I'm very excited to touch base with you again and help you out this, um, this morning. So a little bit of background on me. Um, I love sport. I've played sport most of my life. Um, I think even when I was a baby, my mum and dad had um, me in swimming lessons as soon as I could or as was allowed to. Um, played tennis a lot of my life, um, yeah, swimming, dancing, volleyball, netball, um, and water polo. I um, really got into sport quite competitively from year seven, um, made Auckland rep teams for netball, and then um, from 2002 made my first New Zealand team for water polo and played um, New Zealand water polo through the age groups and for um, our Marist Auckland Club from, um, from then up until 2018 when I retired. So I've played quite a few world champs um, throughout my time um, and world leagues as well. And then um, I also was lucky enough to be offered a sport contract to play um, professionally in France uh, for a year, which was a really awesome experience. So I'm very interested about your podcast um, and I think that it's an awesome um, focus that you've got on as well. So that's a a little bit of my background for you. Thank you so much. Um, So I just have a couple of questions for you if you wouldn't mind answering them. Absolutely. So the first question is, why do you think sport is important for teenagers to participate in? So important. I think there's so many reasons as to uh, why it's important for teenagers to participate in. Firstly, to promote a healthy lifestyle, healthy routines. Um, It's an opportunity for them to set goals um, and achieve something um, and also to have a feeling of success. Um, Sport lets you build so many friendships and um, build teamwork skills. Um, but other, other skills uh, for life, such as organisation, team management, also time management. Um, but also, I think a really important thing that's maybe not talked about a lot is um, sport also really helps people understand um, and overcome disappointment. For example, things like missing out on a team or losing a game. Um, going through those experiences makes or helps you build resilience um, and perseverance. And I think in your teenage years, those types of skills are really, really important. Um, and sport's fun. 
and it's a, it's just a really really good addition to to life. Do you think it's important for teenagers to build resilience at their age? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, at any age, I think um, there's so many pressures in the world that are going on, um, especially with social media, um, and and sports a really good way for resilience to be built and supported. Okay, so your second question is, what did you get out of sport? Oh, lifelong friendships. Um, I am so lucky that I have traveled the world with sport um, from everywhere from Japan to Hungary to Russia, Hawaii, France, Spain, um, Australia, uh, yeah, amazing Italy, amazing places. So it's, it's not only has it allowed me to travel the world and to see amazing cultures um, and be immersed in that, but it's really uh, helped me build lifelong friendships with people overseas, um, but also um, people in New Zealand as well. So I think when you're involved in sport, especially high performance sport, your teammates become like your family you become really close and you lean on them a lot. Um, and the friendships that I have now, um, some of my best friends are girls that I played, started playing water polo with when I was 12 or 13. Um, you go through a lot of challenges in life together, you grow up together, um, but also you've got a, the same mentality and the same mindset. Um, so you learn how to lean on each other as well. Um, I think sport also has really set me up for success in my career. Um, it has, like I mentioned before, it's really, really helped me develop things like time management, organisation, um, motivation, dedication, drive um, and discipline as well. Um, and not only those skills, I have, yeah, I've got a healthy lifestyle and I, I take that back to um, the routines and the structure that I had uh, through training and people who have inspired me. Um, along the, the road as well. And good memories. Yeah. Uh, why did you play sport during school? Uh, well, I was lucky. My mum and dad are very sporty. So um, we grew up, like I, as a child, I remember going to tennis with dad or mum's netball games. So we were always immersed in it as young kids. Um, and they, in the weekends, would always go out for bike rides together or would go for long walks or we're just, we were a really active family. Um, I'm one of four kids and mum and dad always um, wanted us to swim and got us into swimming at a, at a young age, especially living in New Zealand. It was really important for them. We're surrounded by water. Um, and I love swimming, but um, at one point in my early teenage years, I got quite bored of it. Um, just going up and down and up and down the pole and um, got sick of swimming meets and swimming events. So I kind of looked at an alternative, like uh, that's how I got into water polo as well. Um, my grandpa, so my mum's dad, um, also played water polo internationally though. Uh, he played in Hungary um, professionally and also played for New Zealand. Um, his team actually qualified for the Olympic Games and Water pop, the New Zealand men's team haven't qualified since they qualified they, and they actually didn't end up going. Funding got pulled out at the last minute um, and given to Swimming New Zealand. So they never ended up going, but they did qualify. Um, so I guess I had that background 
um, family background of getting into water polo too. Um, my uncles and aunties also played water polo too for New Zealand. So I had that kind of inspiration to get into it. Um, but also, why did I get into it at school? Because it was something to do. Um, it was exciting. I um, liked the feeling of success when you set yourself a goal and you had to work towards it. Um, I loved being involved with other people, that team side of things. Um, and yeah, it was just a, another opportunity to be active. I'm also very competitive, so I liked to win. Um, so that, that helped as well. How often did you play sport during school? A lot. So um, from year seven, I, yeah, I danced, I played netball, I swam, I played water polo, I played tennis. So most, every single afternoon, I had at least one or two sports on. Um, my mum and dad always encouraged us to do as much sport as we wanted to, um, as long as we were still enjoying it and having fun. And I think that's a really important thing. You have to enjoy sport and you have to love it. Um, so you've got to find a sport that you love and that you enjoy. So they let us do whatever we wanted. They were fantastic. They drove us all around Auckland to trainings and practices and things like that. Um, and then when I got to about 14, 15, um, that's when we really had to decide um, what sport I was going to go down, what route I was going to go down, um, especially when we were getting into quite um, serious high performance stuff. Um, so I, I stopped playing tennis um, competitively, just played socially um, and just stuck with netball and water polo. So. For that, I had um, a training every morning, whether it be a water polo um, session, a swim session, or a netball session, Monday to Friday. So always had sport before school. Um, and then I would have, um, yeah, one or two trainings after school. So sometimes I'd have netball after school, then go to a water polo training session, and then go to a New Zealand water polo session. Um, and then from about year 11, year 12, and year 13, um, every second or every third weekend, I would also have a training camp for, water, for New Zealand water polo. And that would involve Friday night um, after school, would go straight to the pool and would have a two hour training session. And then Saturday and Sunday, we would have um, two or three sessions that would last for about two hours. And at that age, so from year 11, we also started introducing um, gym work as well that we had to do to supplement our training program as well. So quite a few hours I've spent balancing school and sport training practices and games. Yeah, because then you've got games on top of that as well. So we always had netball games on Saturdays, um, prem netball games, and then we had um, water polo matches as well on Friday nights, Saturdays or Sundays too. So you, I can see you you played sport a lot during school. I did. I did. So how did you manage to balance school, like homework, tests, and sport? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was difficult, but I think because of that, uh, the experience that I did, or uh, that I had, um, I was able to succeed at it. Um, Mum and Dad always had strong values with us that um, as long as we, if we were going to play sport and uh, do it competitively and succeed at it, school was also very important. So um, we were never allowed to not do homework. 
Um, it was just a matter of fact, they'd sit us down and they'd go, okay, here's your upcoming week. Um, here are your training sessions. You're going to have homework as well. You've got assessments due or, in- or internals or exams coming up. Um, and we had to schedule in when we would do that. So um, like di- diaries became my best friends, planners as well. Um, so yeah, we always had to make sure that um, between trainings or between sessions, our homework would get done. Uh, I was lucky at school at Dio, we had um, a high performance academy set up where they supported us. Um, so um, in our timetable, we had a, um, like a, a lesson or a session that was set um, every six days um, where we would have people come in and kind of mentor us on balancing our sport and balancing our um, homework or overcoming injuries and good nutrition so we had that that backbones as well um, and especially when we got into high performance um, water polo um, that was another thing that they would do for us as well in the middle of our training camps would have seminars about things like time management and balancing our work so it wasn't like you had, you could go to training um, and you didn't have to do your homework uh, you very much had to had to do both otherwise you wouldn't be able to um, play so it's just just balancing prioritizing um, to-do lists um, and I can really I, I'm looking back now I can see how much you can push into a day and squeeze into a day so I feel lucky that um, I went through that because now I think I'm really good at balancing time and managing time and and multitasking that's really good very lucky so did you and if Mm -hmm. so what steps did you take to improve in your sport okay um so I've got an interesting um story in my career I guess for sport when I was 13 so what's that year nine um I actually got a stress a stress fracture in my back and I cracked my lumbar um three quarters of the way which meant that I had to stop all sport for uh a year or just over a year I found that really mentally challenging and hard because obviously it was at a time when um, we were making I was starting to make New Zealand teams and all my friends were succeeding and then I kind of got on that road to success and then I had to stop and I wasn't allowed to do anything um, so that was difficult I kind of I was faced with two options then I could either listen to the sport doctors um, and do the recovery program and strengthen other aspects of my body um, and then come back hopefully later fitter um, and join back in the programs or I could kind of push through it and play for another couple of years but then be done by the time that I finished school because my body would crap, would burst out. Um, so I think what I did to improve myself, even though at the time it was really hard, um, it was a mental challenge, um, I had to look at like other rehab programs, things like Pilates or things like um, more stretching or yoga, um, things that I love now as well. Um, but at that time, I just I couldn't see that connection as to why it was important. But I had to listen to the doctors and listen to the um, professionals to know that in the long run that would improve my sport um, and my muscle development as well. Um, I think... Um, if I look at my sport as well, water polo, so like I mentioned before, I got bored of swimming and I didn't want to swim anymore, but I knew that 
if I wanted to keep playing comp- competitively and succeed and be good. Um, swimming such a fundamental part of water polo, so we had to make sure we balanced a water polo training and swim training as well, um, and kind of get through that mentality of swimming is boring. I had to I had to do it if I wanted to be good at water polo. Um, and then I think other things like um, I don't know if this really answers your question, but thinking about teenagers in sport, um, balancing was a, balancing social lives was a really big challenge and a big thing that I had to think about. Um, so in terms of improving sport, I could have gone, oh, I want to go to this event or I want to go to my friend's birthday party, even though I've got a training camp and I'm going to miss that training camp. Or I could go, no, this is important for me. I've got to go to this training camp. I can catch up with my friends later. So I kind of chose that route that I I needed to go to that training and I needed to do that and I could catch up with friends later. Um, So I think I made, I wouldn't say sacrifices, but I I did have to make um, some tough decisions um, about, about what I wanted to do to make sure I was improving my sport along the way. I remember in year 12 and year 13, actually, we had um, a New Zealand training camp the same weekend as the school ball. Um, And so that kind of was a tough road for us. We had all our friends going and getting their makeup done and their hair done. And there was a bunch of us that had to go to a training camp. So it was like, what what way do we go? Um, So we went to the training camp and then just met our friends later. So it's all about balancing um, your priority, priorities and seeing what's important to you at that time um overcoming injuries as well um like i mentioned before but just even minor injuries like shoulder injuries or um pulled muscles just really making sure that you listen to the physios and listen to the doctors um to make sure that the temporary time that you're out you do the right thing so you can come back stronger fitter and and faster Yes. Thanks. Um, so when I'm around school, I can hear a lot of girls and they're talking about how they pulled out of this sport and pulled out of that sport. So what do you think some, something? What do you think could be something to motivate girls to do sport if they want to quit? That makes me really sad. Really sad because I think sport can give you so many benefits and so many lifelong lessons and it's fun. So I think we have to look at the reasons as to why people are pulling out of sport. I think teenage girls, a lot of them are, um, or the reasons are things like social lives. So we've got to make sure that sport is appealing to everyone. Um, Obviously, I am quite a competitive person. So anything like a competition or um, a training camp or the goal to make a New Zealand team was enough for me, but not everyone's like that. Uh, so I think that we need to make sure that our um, sport programs cater for everyone. I think it's important that we do have um, a high level of competition, but we also have social um, competitions that people can still participate in um, and a range of variety of sport as well. Um, and I think that it needs to be a lot of promotion around it as well because girls women we're amazing we can have so much in our lives and fulfill and have such a fulfilling life Um, and I would hate to see women not participate in sport because of 
um, pulling out of, of teams. And I, th- I think it also comes down to role models. We need to have role models in the media and we need to have role models on social media um, promoting the benefits of sport and the, the fun that you can have. But at the end of the day, you have to, you have to make something fun, otherwise no one's going to do it. Um, and that just comes down to the way that we advertise sport, we promote sport, but also making sure that our sport bodies, um, our sporting organisations, cater for all levels of all ages um, and target those audiences like young women to continue and build on sport. So those are all my questions. So thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Being a Teenager with Alice. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and that you learned a lot about sports and that you can take some tips from the podcast and take them into your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to follow the podcast to see when new episodes come out. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at Being a Teenager with Alice. Again, thanks so much for tuning in this week and I hope to see you again. Hello and welcome to my podcast, Being a Teenager with Alice. My name is Alice, I'm 14 and I'm making this podcast for a mentor project for school. I'm making different episodes that tailor to different parts of a teenager's life, and today's episode will be all about the arts. We're going to focus on why the arts are important, how to balance life and arts extracurriculars, and how to take performing arts further after school. Let's get into it. Why are the arts important? You may hear yourself asking. Why should I get involved in the performing arts community? As a proud member of the performing arts community, I can tell you lots of reasons why it's a great place to be. Whether you like dance, drama, music, opera, theatre, visual, it doesn't matter. I personally like dance, drama and music, so I'm a very performing arts musicals girl. I've met so many of my closest friends through the performing arts, whether it's choir after school, orchestra at lunch, production practice one Sunday, I feel welcome and included. You can also learn lots of skills through the arts, whether it's skills like time management, organisational skills, or even how to do skills like sing and dance at the same time, project your voice, use your face when acting, the list goes on and on. I used to be such a shy child, I wouldn't talk to anyone, especially if they're an adult. At my first school interview, I didn't talk to the principal. I left the room and sat outside. That's an example of how antisocial and shy I was. But soon after joining the school, I took part in music classes and I began to come out of my shell. It just went uphill from there. I started taking drama classes and I found myself to be having such a good time and it was a place where I could let loose and speak up. I then began doing dance classes and I wasn't the best one there. But looking back on videos of me dancing, I could tell how much love I put into it and I just had so much fun dancing with friends I would have never met if it weren't for dancing. The arts can also help out with sports, if you enjoy sports. For example, I picked up netball for the first time in year 6. I wasn't the best one there, 
but I found myself to be a good shooter and I could take a step forward and balance on one foot because I had good balance from taking dance classes. I've also found the people in the arts community to be so kind. Although when trying out for parts in productions or musicals, the people can be very competitive. But whether you get the lead role or ensemble, the whole cast becomes like a family, which I really like. Currently, I'm in a production with our brother's school. We didn't get to know each other very much at first. It was just the boys and just the girls. But now we're almost finished and there is no separation anymore. Everyone is happy to talk to everyone and I've made some good friends through the production. I love the arts and I think it's such a beneficial place to get yourself involved in, especially in these teenage years. So if you're already involved in the arts, you can find yourself in a tricky situation where you were doing so much of what you love, there isn't as much free time as what you might have used to have. You don't have a free afternoon anymore, it's all taken up by the arts. You spend your time partaking in classes or practicing instruments and now you can't find time to do your homework and keep up with normal school life. I have found myself in this problem too many times and I've procrastinated to a huge extent. I've worked so many late nights just to get homework done and trust me this is not the way to go. We're coming to the end of the year, so major exams, tests and pressure is inevitably going to build up. I would recommend planning out your week. I've got mine on a whiteboard at home. But if you don't have a whiteboard, you can, five, you can find $5 weekly planners on jot pads, which I've found almost everywhere I go. I've been quite tempted to buy them, except I, yeah, I might go broke if I buy all of them. Personally, I wouldn't recommend using your phone or laptop to plan it out. I mean, you can use your calendar to plan it out as well as on paper or whiteboard. But I find I can't see as well as when I have free time where I can do homework. I find writing it down, firstly, makes me feel like I'm getting stuff done. But secondly, I can see it all the time. And as I walk past my whiteboard, I think, right, I've got production and then dance tonight. But that's all wrapped up by about six, so I can get home, have dinner, and then I can do homework for about 45 minutes before I should get ready for bed. I find myself doing this all the time whenever I see my whiteboard and I find myself to be productive after seeing it, I've written it down. Also, I feel really great when I can tick off something I've done or rub it off my whiteboard. <laughs> Don't spend late night finishing things as you won't do as well as what you might be able to do when you're sleep deprived, trust me. You're more likely to stress yourself out instead, which means no sleep, which means your brain won't work as well and recall the things you study for the night before. Basically, don't do it. If you're like me and you enjoy the arts and once you finish school, you want to continue, here are some of my tips. I mean, I can't exactly tell you how to continue with the arts after school because, surprise, I'm still in school. And this would be where the guest speaker would come in and inform us, but it's just me. Personally, I would go to any teachers or pros that you've known for a while and ask them what they did after school. Did they continue with their passion or did they do something else and then pick up the passion later and pursue that as a job? Or I would ask them, how do I continue with theatre, for example, after school? They are likely to know how to continue with your passion in the arts and put you somewhat in the right direction. Or 
If your school has a careers advisor, you could go and ask them too. If you know how to continue with the arts after school, let me know on my Instagram account at being a teenager with Alice and I can share the word with my followers. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Being a Teenager with Alice. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and that you learned a lot about the arts and that you can take some tips from this episode and take them into your life. If you enjoyed this episode, further episodes will be coming out in the next few weeks, including episodes on the topic of sports, academics and friends. Don't forget to follow the podcast to see when those come out. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at Being a Teenager with Alice. Again, thanks so much for tuning in this week, and I hope to see you again. One, two, three, four. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Being a Teenager with Alice. If you're new here, let me introduce myself. My name is Alice and I'm 14. I'm doing this podcast for a mental project for school. And each episode is going to revolve around one key part of a teenager's life. Today's episode will be all about friends. We're going to focus on how to be a good friend, red flags for your friends, and we'll show some situations and how to deal with them. Let's get into it. Friends were simpler than they are now. When we were younger, we would just go and play some game with the girls in our class and become best friends that same day. One day you'd be playing with this girl, the next day you'd play with that girl, and nobody had hard feelings if you didn't sit with them that day. However, as we got older, and we moved away from playing on playgrounds, friends got more complicated. People people began to be toxic and mean, And the worst insult is not, I'm not inviting you to my birthday party anymore. I think it's really important to surround yourself with people who you like to be with and that they enjoy being around you and they think you're a good friend. How do you be a good friend? How do you get people to like the person you are? This question may seem stupid, but I might have a few tips to guide you along the way. Firstly, Don't change yourself to fit other people's needs. Let's break that down a bit. Let's put those art skills I mentioned in the previous podcast to the test and give you an example. Imagine you're planning to throw a pool party for your birthday this summer and need some friends from class to come and have fun with you. Play with pool noodles, horsey races and so on. You sit down in class to a girl you know relatively well and have a general conversation. So, what sort of things do you like? Oh, I like to swim competitively. There is no such thing as playing in the pool. It's all training. I'll never go to a pool party as such. But a three-hour training party? I won't miss. Oh, oh, well, well, I, I swim competitively as well. I, I was planning a training party with super intensive training for two hours and then um, uh, some protein shakes afterwards sound like something you'd like to do oh my gosh no one has ever done that before I've always had to decline party invitations 
because pool parties are not for the competitive swimmers like we are. I'm so excited to swim competitively against you at your party. I can do 50 meters in 18 seconds. Up to beat me? You know this is totally not your thing. You'd much rather play around. And 18 seconds for 50 meters is insanely fast. You can do 50 meters in a minute, two minutes, on a good day. But you want to have her as a friend, so you agree and nod your head. How awkward is the situation that you've just put yourself in? This shows you should not change yourself for someone else. Otherwise, awkward situations will arise, and unfortunately, those specific answers will not be found inside of this podcast. Hey, I wish I could answer every single individual specific question, but I'm not magical. I wish. Trust me, it's going to make your life way more difficult than I imagine it already to be. Tried and tested by me. A few days ago, I sent out a box on my Instagram asking if anyone wanted to help me out with this podcast and asked people to send through some red flags for friends and I can add some of my own if you didn't send any through. But you got me and red flags I received. Some of them are quite challenging for me to unpack, but I'll give it my best shot. Firstly, when one of your friends tells everyone else a problem they have with you before telling you. This is definitely a red flag. They're your friend. Both of you should ideally have this level of trust for each other. And whether that's spoken about or not spoken about, it's an important thing to have and not break. Once you find out about your friends having issues with you and telling everyone else, if you feel comfortable, talk to them about it. If not, I would just immediately cut the ties. This red flag could escalate and that's not something I imagine anyone would want to have to deal with. The next one is, if they try to create drama between you and another of your friends. This is 100% a red flag. Trying to get you to turn against one of your friends, probably about something that wasn't true in the first place, is awful behavior. They could be trying to make things worse, amp up the drama, and maybe make you lose one of your friends. And that gives me pick-me vibes. They want to be friends with you, and you can't be friends with anyone else. If anyone you know is like that, again, cut the ties. This is someone you don't want to be around, and even though it might be difficult, you'll appreciate cutting the ties in the future. But remember, every single situation is different, and it depends on the situation for how you respond to it. Having a friend acting a different way to others than to you is the next huge red flag. Firstly, you don't know now who they really are. Are they really themselves when they were talking to you? Or when they were talking to another friend? Who are they really? Or are they playing pretend and neither of those are who they really are? There could be so many reasons behind this one. And it's a difficult one to deal with. This is a red flag, and for now, I'd cut the ties. But hang on, because later, I'll try to help you out with having conversations or cutting the ties. Now, right, they talk about lots of new things they get from their family, 
and you might not get anything. And they talk only about themselves and make you feel like you aren't enough. I combine these two suggestions together. I feel like they can be combined into one and I've linked them together so. They talk about everything they get and about themselves and make you feel inferior and not good enough. Firstly, you are always enough. I can't stress that enough. When I thought about this, I thought that this could be a red flag. They're constantly talking themselves up and making you feel bad about yourself. And friends shouldn't do that. They should be mindful of your reaction to these things when they talk about themselves and take the hint. If you aren't too engaged to look like, oh yeah, that, that's so cool, because you feel inferior, they should stop. But they might also feel inferior themselves. They might want to talk themselves up a bit so that they feel to be on your level and good enough to be your friend. You never, ever know the backstory just as well as they do. So all these, suggesting, all these suggestions I'm suggesting may not work in these specific situations you may find yourself in. But think about this one. They might not feel enough themselves and want to make themselves look just as great as you do. Little compliment for you if you want to take it that way. It's a difficult situation, but before doing anything, I would suggest having that conversation. More on that later. Finally, they act too jealous and competitive around you. This one could tie into the one I just mentioned as well. Jealousy is not a bad thing. It just means that whoever is jealous of you wants to be like you, and that's why they're jealous. I mean, sometimes jealousy can be a bit over the top, like every five seconds you do something or show someone something or anything they say, oh I wish I had that. That can be really annoying, but they want to be like you. Secondly, because they are jealous, they're competitive around you. And the way I interpreted that is that they want to compete with you, so if they end up on top, they feel good about themselves. Again, it always, 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 always depends on the situation. But if your situation is like the one I've tried to describe, I'm not sure it's a red flag. And maybe you should check up on your friend and ask if they're okay. They want to be like you, so you are the person to help them out. So thanks to everyone who sent in red flags. And what I plan to do here is talk about situations and how to deal with them. Like I said in my introduction, I think. But because of all the red flags, I think I'm just going to stick to the how to deal with them part. If you are listening closely, closely, you would have heard that I mainly said to have a conversation or to cut the ties to the answer to these red flags. You may not understand what I mean or have any idea how to do so. And this is super tricky. But I'll do my best to unpack and explain it for you. Firstly, the conversation. These conversations are so, so, so hard to have. Being me, every time I could, I would avoid them. But it didn't give me the answer I wanted, which I hated. So, here's some tips I can give you to make the conversation genuine, proper, 
and hopefully get a good outcome. Tip one, don't make anything up and only say the truth of how you feel. Making things up is likely to lead to people finding out you made things up and then they could turn on you and cut the ties on you and let your red flag friend essentially win. You could say things like, when you talked behind my back about something that wasn't true and told all of my friends, it made me really angry and hurt that you would do something like that. I still want to be friends. Could you, exp could you please explain why you did it so we can make up and be friends again? Or, look, I don't want this to be a long, boring conversation, but I don't like friends who talk behind my back and say things that aren't true. Do you feel the same? Can we both say our sides of the story and then apologize and make it up and be friends again? Tip two, ask questions nicely, as I said before. Don't say questions like, why did you do that? Because that's likely to spark up arguments. You can state your opinion and ask if they feel the same. Or if you want to ask why they did it, ask nicely like, do you mind explaining please? Tip three, if you do ask, why did you do that? And then they say, no I didn't. Don't bite back. Don't say, yes you did, or you're lying, you did. As that is definitely sparking an argument. I've done that so many times. And that's the last thing you want to do in conversations like these. You need to be kind, respectful, and genuine. Don't raise your voice. Keep it calm and normal. Tip four, don't bring anyone else into your drama. I've done that too, mainly because it could backfire and your friends could turn on you. Keep it only between you and your red flag friend. And if any of your friends do ask about it, just say something like, we're sorting it out, but I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Don't say anything about what's going on. It could lead to your friends turning on you again. If you do have a conversation and they am part the argument and go against my four tips I said before, and you don't have any way that you know to try and stay friends and make it up, as difficult as it may be, cut the ties. Cutting the ties is way more difficult than it sounds. Especially if your red flag friend has been your friend for a while and they know you really well. I've found the longer and the better they know you, the easier they find it to hurt you because they know all this stuff about you. Anyways, cutting the ties is very difficult and don't just leave them on red and drop it. Always be kind, respectful and genuine. This is the most important thing. Here's an example of how to do it at school. Here you go. You've finished science. It's lunch now. And your red flag friend comes up to you to begin an argument and heat things up. There's no teachers or students around. Only you two. What I would do is say something like, Sorry, not now. Or, Could you stop please? Or even, Only in the right situations. Thank you. After that, leave. But don't strut, leave normally.
just like you would at a normal pace. You may find it silly and funny in the heat of the moment to leave and strut or walk super fast, but don't. Normally is the best way to do it. If they follow you, that's fine. Walk around, don't engage in anything red flag friend is doing. But other people talking to them, fine. And go and find your friends to sit down with. Whether red flag friend is in your friend group or not, they won't want to spark drama for the whole friend group and make everyone else upset, angry or annoyed with them. Not you. You aren't engaging or doing anything to annoy them. As that could mean that everyone turns on red flag friend, not you. And red flag friend won't want that, whether your friends are their friends or not. Then, after that, I just ease it out. Like, stop sitting next to them in class. You can ask to change the seating plan because you're having issues with red, friend, red flag friend. I'm sure your teacher would understand if you're genuine, nice and sincere about it. And then, once you feel time is right, you can leave them on red or delivered. Trust me, when the time is right, it feels really good. Obviously, if you don't see them in real life, you kind of just have to leave them on red. There isn't much I can suggest there. But always, always be kind, respectful and genuine. Don't assume or spark arguments. It's never going to end your way that way. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Being a Teenager with Alice. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and that you learned a lot about friends and you can take some tips from this podcast and add them to your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to follow the podcast to see when new episodes come out. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at Being a Teenager with Alice. Again, thanks so much for tuning in this week and I hope to see you again. Well, I hate to say it, but this is the end. There are no more podcasts. I mean, we were supposed to have six, but now there's only three. And this is the last one. I really hope you enjoyed listening to them. And also, thanks for following me on Instagram and listening to the podcast. I really don't know if I could have completed this project without all you listeners out there. Again, thank you so much. And, well, it's bye from me. Bye.